The scripture reading is from Philippians 2, verses 25 through 30. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him to you, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. Receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. This is the word of the Lord. Heavenly Father, we are your children, and we come to sit at your feet and delight in you and to hear glorious stories of your word, Father. So feed us and sustain us, God. We are hours away from going back into the world. Equip us well, Father to engage this world, to bring your light, the true light of the gospel, into the darkness, in this city, into our own homes, God. And we ask that you would bring the light of your gospel deep, deep into our hearts. Amen. Hudson Taylor. Rings a bell. Man who grew up in a, in a Christian home, but it wasn't until he was 17 until God got a hold of his life through the gospel track of uh, a poor Richard. And at that point in his life, a fire just begins to burn and to consume his soul. And he has a singular focus. And that's China. And all that he does is pointing towards China, as Adam mentioned again last week. So he actually gets a job in a factory where he can do the repetitious work and the machine can kind of do its thing and he can learn Greek and he can learn Hebrew and then he wants to read the church fathers so he learns Latin, of course, why not? And he wants to have something practical to offer in the mission field so then why not? He endeavors and goes to med school. Just throw that on the side there. And he goes to China and he's... Not like any of the other missionaries. See, the missionaries in that time, like many missionaries now, that you live in the compound is what you do. You live with your British folks in the compound. You speak English. And then you wear your English clothing. And then you go and minister in the villages. And you maybe can speak a little Chinese, but then you go back to the safety of the compound. And he flipped it. He adopted 
Chinese dress, you know, that little ponytail that Chinese, uh, the gentleman used to have in China. He did that. Black hair, grew it out, wore their dress, learned their language, ate with them. He founded the Chinese Inland Mission when millions have heard the gospel in China through his labors and through his endeavor. But it was a ministry of, of heartbreak and toil. He buried his wife in China. Five children he buried in China. Ruth Tucker, we're reading one of her biographies, or her biographies in the School of Theology, and she summarizes his life in this way. No other missionary in the 19th century, in the 19th century since the Apostle Paul has had a wider vision and has carried out a more systematized plan for evangelizing a broad geographic area than Hudson Taylor. And now it's come full circle. Chinese tourists actually will go to his birthplace. Chinese Christian tourists will go to his birthplace in England and enjoy it and pay homage to him. How does that make you feel? Huh? Here's another one. Hugh Latimer. Only God knows when he was born, but we do know that when he was four, a ripe old age of four years old, he begins studying Latin. Right? Why not? And he begins, as he's later in life, he begins to fall in love with the doctrines of grace and himself and some other men that begin to gather at the, the White Horse Tavern. And they gather there. And as they're gathering, the, the reform, the reformation is, is leaving the continental Europe and is coming to the islands of England. But as always happens, the political winds begin to change. And there's a little lady named Mary later called Bloody Mary, who takes the throne. And he's arrested and himself with Cramner and Ridley. They're held at the tower at Oxford. You, you think Cambridge and Oxford are the same. They couldn't be further apart. Cambridge brings up the reformers. Oxford is the one that burns them at the stake. So they're at the, the tower there in Oxford. And he's guilty of, being, of, of having the true faith that he will not recant. And he's sentenced to death, and this is his reply to the judge. I thank God most heartily that he has prolonged my life until this end. He was an old man at that time. That I may, in this case, glorify God by this kind of death. And they tie him up on the stake, and they begin to light the fires, and he's being burned alive with Mr. Ridley. And he calls out to him in his final words. You guys know them well, I'm sure. Play the man, Master Ridley, for we shall this day light a candle that by God's grace in England, I trust, shall never be put out. How are you feeling now about your spiritual life? Women, just in case you think you might be immune to this, Lottie Moon grows up on a tobacco farm in Virginia. And her father died when she was young, but by the grace of God, he begins to work in her. She comes alive to the faith and feels this call to missions. And while she's teaching there in China, she has 40 students 
unruly students, she called them, but she felt this clear call to go and evangelize the people. As he, she was well suited to be a teacher because she knew, of course, Latin, Greek, Spanish, Italian, and Chinese as well. So she was well suited to be a teacher, but her heart was longing for evangelizing the masses. And she serves faithfully over decades in political revolutions and the Japanese invading and the Boxer Rebellion. And she serves the people of China with all that she has. Literally. She gave and gave and gave until she died of starvation weighing 50 pounds. So what do you do, my friends, when you realize these people are not you? We hear stories of them constantly. But what do you, oh dear, what do you do when you realize that these are these men, these women are on the mountaintops of faith and we're back here and we can hardly see them with the naked eye? What do you do? Well, you turn to our text is what you do. And you read about this amazing man, Epaphroditus. So we have our, our main idea, beloved, is do simple things. It doesn't have to be complicated. Do simple things in your Christian walk and in your Christian life. And so we're going to see this. Be, be faithful and be content with what God would have you to do. And then like Epaphroditus, we go. And then like the church in Philippi and Paul himself, we send. So friends, do simple things in your Christian life with your simple faith. Do these simple things. So let's redraw the text of where we're going here. Paul has... Um, given them a little bit of an intro and he's telling them that he loves them and he longs to be with them. And he's sure that God who has started this work in them will bring about it, bring it about to the day of, bring it about to completion in the day of Christ. And, and it's right for him to feel that way about them because they're partakers of the same faith of the grace of God with him. And he gives himself as an example of how he is to live. While he's imprisoned in Rome, you're thinking, oh, things couldn't go any worse for him. But he's saying, no, actually this has turned out well. The whole, the whole imperial guard, not just those around him, but the whole imperial guard, and, and in case you think there's limits, and all the rest, have heard that his imprisonment is not just an imprisonment, but it's an imprisonment for Christ. And then on top of that, the brothers of the faith, the brothers and sisters of the faith are much more bold to speak the word without fear. And then Job preaches on this beautiful life of Christ. And if you have a a mental picture of this of this uh, text in your head of Philippians, it's not linear like Ephesians or Romans is incredibly linear. It's not linear like that. It's, it's circular. circular. It's, you have Christ in the middle with Joe and what he was preaching about. And everything is it's kind of like a hub and a spoke. Spoking out from there. 
And here is Christ giving of Himself, emptying Himself in overflow. We have this overflow of life to do the same. He was, he was God, but He didn't hold on to it. In fact, quite the opposite. He did the lowest of all things. He came in flesh. And then He humbled Himself again to the point of death. Even death on the cross. And then Paul is telling us, now go. Go and do that. Work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. Yes, there's going to be moments and there's of fear. And there's going to be moments of trembling when we are called out to live this life of Christ and follow Him. And then he has this example of Timothy. And they're thinking, oh, this sounds like too much, but he, Paul says, no, no, look at Timothy. He's the perfect example of this. Everyone seeks their own interests. But Timothy, he's like Christ. He doesn't seek his own interests, but rather the interests of others. And then finally, after this example of, of, of Timothy, so you have the life of Christ, and here's Timothy, an example of that. Now we have Epaphroditus, also another example of this life of Christ and how to live it out. And his greatest act, do you know what it was? He carried an offering. He walked. He sat on a boat. Simple things. Let's go to the text and see what Paul has to say about him. He says, I have found it necessary, verse 25, to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. So you see how Paul regards this man. First, he calls him a brother. The great leveling of the Christian faith. He calls him a brother. Which only makes sense since there is one Lord whom we will all worship. Our relation to each other is through Him. And through Him alone. So we are brothers and sisters. Redemption, I think you do this very well. Having this deep affection for one another that starts in your heart and goes deep, deep down into your faith. And having a brother and sister in Christ is the the true orienting of humanity. We will look at each other and we will think and we will see the rich and the poor, the slave and the free, the Jew and the Gentile, the Democrat, the Republican. You see what color scrubs they wear. You know right where they line up on the social status. But here, being a brother and a brother in Christ levels everything as we bow our faces before God. So first and foremost, I want you to see that Paul's recommendation of Epaphroditus has nothing to do with what he has done, but rather who he is and who he is in Christ. But as a brother, he's he's not the black sheep of the family, the guy just sitting on the couch. 
No, he's he's a fellow worker. He's he's coming a fellow worker coming alongside of Paul, laboring with him, toiling with him in the faith, working side by side in the ministry. But he's not just side by side with Paul. He's engaging the enemy. He's a fellow soldier as well. So what has he done? He's working with people like Paul. Someone like Paul, who's imprisoned in his own city, but when he's going to Philippi, Epaphroditus sees him. Oh, that's, that's Paul, the guy that was in prison. Oh yeah. There's Paul who's received the lashes 39 times. 39 lashes. He has received three different times. He was beaten with rods. He was stoned once, left for dead. They assumed he was dead. Gets back up, goes into the city, starts preaching. He's on frequent journeys in danger of rivers, in danger of robbers, danger of his own people, a danger of the Gentiles. He was in danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers who would follow him and cause up riots. Right when things were starting to percolate and get good. Boom. Let's have a riot. And toil and hardship through many sleepless nights. And hunger and in thirst. Often without food. In the cold. With exposure. Okay. He's working with this guy. Man. But then there's also this Timothy guy. So there's there's Timothy and then Epaphroditus. Timothy is like the Mr. Darcy of what's going on. We all think we're Mr. Darcy. We know we're not deep down. But Timothy is the guy. Paul is doing these second missionary journey and he goes through his uh, Timothy's town and he gets him and he knows I need to have this guy. Step number one grown man he gets circumcised step number two they go off and they start to uh, plant a church step number three they have a riot going on so okay here's Epaphroditus and he sees these guys and you think you you feel like you have nothing to offer right so here comes Epaphroditus and they go oh he's a fellow soldier he's a minister with us you know What's he, what's he did, what's he done? Has he been stoned? No. Nope, hasn't done that. Is he, well, he's planted a church then, right? Uh, no, no, that, that hasn't happened. Actually, he, we, we left him and we brought other people, um, to go plant more churches. Oh, so he's like been involved in discipling in this and, uh, no, nope, none of that. Well, what is it? What is, what's he been done? He's the guy. He carried the offering from Philippi to Rome. And then he carries a letter from Rome back to Philippi. And you know his mindset the whole time Epaphroditus is doing this. He's probably thinking he's doing nothing compared to Paul and Timothy and Silas. I'm just that guy. Yeah, sure, I'll carry the offering, whatever. But I don't want to be just the guy who carries the letter or carries the offering. I want to be the guy who raises people from the dead. That was amazing. 
I'm going to be the guy who has the jailer and his whole family turn to Christ. I'm going to be that guy. I don't want to be the guy who carries the offering. And he walks. He has hundreds of miles to walk. And he's probably thinking this the whole time. Why? Why this? And he's sitting on the boat going, ah, someday I'll be able to do something great for God. Someday. I'll just pay my dues now. Someday I'll be able to do something great. And this same lie that could have been rumbling around in his head is the same lie that Satan will use to rumble around in your heads. You think, oh, it's, it's not enough. It's, it's never enough. I feed kids. It seems like that's all I do. I prepare meals and I feed kids. And somehow, before they're even done eating this meal, they're already hungry for the next. And that's all they do. I feed kids. I look at systems and a computer screen all day and I fix them. And I know it's just going to break again, but I do it. I might think it's pointless. I find investments. Good. Great. Purchase this. Never, never believe those lies. You have... Paul here, who is holding out the life and the work of Epaphroditus as a preeminent example of one who has been following Christ. Do you see what's happening here? He's living out this life of Christ who has emptied Himself and who has become nothing. He's living out this humility of Christ. As an example, Paul wants nobody else but Epaphroditus who has done this simple thing to be that example. So in your own lives, don't ever think that there's anything lacking in your pipettes being filled to run tests or the diapers being changed or a design that's being drawn and submitted. All of this is being done unto the glory of God. All of it. And admittedly, we come up here and then we muddy the waters and say, oh, you can have a job, but your job, everything you do is a platform to preach the gospel. And that's true. And we're not going to back down from that. But we do also need to tell you that even if you don't get there, even if you're not like Connor sharing the gospel with everybody who's in the room with you, if you don't get there, your faith is not lacking. Your faith is not lacking at all. So then rather, the unintended consequence of this then is that we leave the church and then rather we end up leaving here feeling guilty that we haven't done enough rather than being encouraged to go out and engage the world in any particular way that we can. So just be Be faithful in what you will have before you the rest of the night tomorrow as you go into work tomorrow. Be faithful with what God has you. Be faithful in delivering an offering or making a meal or opening up your home for community groups. And then be content. Delivering the offering or making a meal or opening your home for a community group. Be faithful in it, but then be content. In it as well. 
All right, so first thing we see that Paul is, is regarding this. It's, it's, it's the example. It's the application where they're able to go, oh, remember Epaphroditus. Paul's holding him up as the one, as a preeminent example of someone who lives out the life of Christ. And he's regarded as a brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier. Now, let's look at it and, and see what has befallen him in all of his faithfulness here. Verse 27. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him. And not only on him, but also on me. Lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him. Therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again. And that I may be less anxious. Isn't it terrible when everything you do seems to just fall apart? Trying to have a, a trying to be have a profitable business, but you try to also also be ethical, and you see that the chewing both of those is quite difficult at times. Or you try to be faithful and loving your husband, but you see very little reciprocation in exchange. Or you're taking an offering to Rome, and it's going to be fantastic, and you're going to have a great time, and then you just get ill. Not only ill, but ill to the point of death. He's near death. But in due time, God has mercy on him. He was near to death, but God. He couldn't go on any longer, but God. And he has nothing else to give, but God. He's likely thinking that he was doing so very little. And then on top of it, he gets sick and he's a burden to everyone there. But it couldn't have been further from the truth. Paul held him in the highest of regard. He was a brother. He was a fellow soldier. A fellow minister. fellow laborer. So he, Epaphroditus is being faithful, but part of being faithful for him was going. And in our minds, when we think of going, we think of Hudson Taylor and selling all that you have, going off into the mission field, never seeing anybody else again until the day of glory. And that's what's held before us. What does this look like if Epaphroditus was to be in our church today? What would this simple faith and these simple things look like? What would it look like to go? Well, it would look like Joseus. Dropping off money at a restaurant so that Ali, a homeless Muslim who struggles with addiction, can go there and get a warm meal. That's what it would look like. Looks like Matt, let's see, Andrew, Connor, Tess, then Kyleen, Josh, and Mike Bold, all of them showing up. To help move Sean and his family. It looks like countless moms among us being faithful in serving the Lord by raising children. It looks like Joel, Hanson, God bless him, getting to the hotel three hours, three hours before we start worshiping to make sure we can start worshiping at 1030. 
It looks like Kevin and Emily, last week they showed up from worship. It was the first time in our four years of redemption, the first time they have showed up and just worshipped. No soundboard, no singing, no violin, no setup. The first time in four years. That's what it looks like to live out the Christian faith. It looks like Matt and Dennis working on the finance team receiving far less recognition than they ever deserve. That's what it looks like. So Paul, if he were writing from this church, he would have countless examples of all of you living out this faith in a simple and faithful way. Well then, how do we, how do we respond to such men and women? How, what do we do? Well, let's go back to the text here again. I'll go back up to verse 28. I am all the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may, re- that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete that which was lacking in your service to me. So the first thing we do is honor such men and such women. And it's so easy to honor them because they don't seek it for themselves. It's usually the guys up front who want all of the recognition. But then you notice, he sent. He sent from Philippi to Rome, and then God bless him, he must have been an anxious soul because Paul doesn't get much anxious, anxious about a lot, but he seems very anxious to, to send Epaphroditus back to him. And he sends him back to Philippi. And this is us. Not traveling across the Mediterranean, but this is us being sent back out into the world week after week after week to live out this life of Christ. Not by being burned at the stake, with Ridley and Latimer and Cramner. No. But faithfully doing simple things for the Lord. That's what we see in Epaphroditus. And finally, Epaphroditus, he is commended, is he not? For he nearly died for the work of Christ. He nearly died, but he didn't quite die. But there is one who did die. Jesus Christ. Who never thought of Himself, but only thought of the glory of God and His bride, the church. That's all He thought about. So truth be told, if you don't have trust, and if you haven't placed all of your trust in Christ, it doesn't matter what you do, simple or great, unless you are placing all of your faith, all of your trust into Christ. So turn to Him. Turn to Christ. If you've done it a thousand times before, congratulations. Do it again. Do it afresh. Turn to Christ. Knowing that your simple things are never enough for Him, but they are a delight to Him. We do it all in the eyes of a watchful God who through faith through our, through the works of Christ, not our works. We do these simple things so that when we go and behold our God, we will be told, well done, good and faithful servant. 
Enter into the rest of your Master. Let us pray. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we, we come to You with empty hands and we have nothing. But through faith, God, we, we ask that these simple things that we are able to do, God, like we see Epaphrodite is doing, we ask that they would be pleasing in Your eyes. And that we would never doubt our faith God, but that we would constantly trust in Christ and faithfully walk through our lives step by step as we see Epaphroditus is going step by step to Rome. God, that we too would be faithful to walk step by step, not to Rome, but to the celestial city on the hill where we will see You in all of Your glory, God. Please hold us and keep us until that day. Amen. Amen.